And that's how it works for us so often. That, first of all, it's a necessary thing to be a brother, to be a sister in the Lord, to have that common faith. And that's a first step. That's a necessity, that we have common faith, that we're of common origin. Hey, we have that common faith in Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And how can we serve? And that's the next step of the process. Now that we're believers and as the Lord grows you up, you're thinking, how can I serve? What can I do? How can I be the deaconess? How can I be that minister? Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. First Thessalonians chapter 3 and talking about standing firm or standing fast today. As Paul says to us in verse 8, For now we live if you stand fast. In the Lord. To stand fast or to stand firm, it means to persist or to preserve. In the context of our study, it means to preserve in godliness or in fellowship with the Lord, the ability to stand in fellowship with the Lord. And today in our study, I hope that we would be willing to open our hearts to the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, how am I standing? Am I standing firm? Am I standing fast? Do you have some work that you need to do in me? I believe we know that that answer in one sense could be there's always work. We never arrive while we're in this flesh. But to know that you're standing firm. Paul was asking that of the church of Thessalonica. I'm asking you of the church of Lake Villa here today. Are you standing firm in the Lord? So let's go ahead. We'll read through verses 1 through 13. Say a word of prayer and get into our teaching. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. 
Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, to all just as we do to you, so that you may be established in your hearts, blameless in holiness before our God and Father and at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Father, we pray that you would teach us now through your word. Lord Jesus, we know, according to your word, that where two or more are gathered together in your name, that you are in our midst. We also know, Lord, that this word that we have before us, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, causing Paul to pin these words to the church of Thessalonica, that these very same words, Lord, are alive and powerful and useful for this fellowship this day here at Lake Villa. And we pray, Lord, that you would work now through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, as we look into it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, he begins this chapter in verse 1 with the word, therefore. Being a student of the Bible, whenever you see the word, therefore, it, it causes you to look back to see why it's there for. So every time you see the word, therefore, you got to look back in the text and see what's going on. And what was happening was that Paul, in verse 18 of chapter 2, was trying to get back to the church of Thessalonica. He wanted to minister to them. He left too soon, he felt. He left too abruptly. There was persecution going on, and he was escorted out of the town. But he longed to go back to them. But in verse 18, we read that, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. There was a hindering force that was keeping them from getting back to the church of Thessalonica, specifically, I believe, keeping Paul from going there. So I think something else was going on that Paul, in his humanity, couldn't understand of God's plan. See, Paul was called into this area of Macedonia to minister the gospel of Christ. Now, in his flesh, in his own heart, he attempted to go into Asia. He wanted to minister the gospel more toward the east, and the Lord sent him more toward the west. And there was that Macedonian call that we know of there in Acts chapter 16. But what would happen at that time was God would get Paul to Corinth, and it's from Corinth that he's writing this letter back to the church in Thessalonica. And he would plant Paul in the city of Corinth, we know from the book of Acts, for one year, six months, for a year and a half, he would sit and teach the people there in Corinth. And there in Corinth, the word tells us back in Acts chapter 18, that the word of Jesus Christ went out throughout all of Asia. That was Paul's desire all along, that God's word would go out. And the Lord said, yeah, I know the desire of your heart. What I need to do is plant you in one spot long enough that you can teach the people. And as you teach the people, they're going to go out and so will the word of my testimony go with them. It would appear that Satan was hindering, and no doubt that he was. 
But God had a larger plan in mind that Paul, just by planning you here, man, all of Asia is going to hear about my son, Jesus Christ. Paul in his flesh, he's struggling, he's troubled. And so he said, when we could no longer endure it, couldn't stand it any longer, I tried twice, time and again, to get back to you, but I couldn't. So I'm sending Timothy to you. Now, Timothy was Paul's go-to guy. Timothy was a young man that Paul could really depend upon. Interestingly enough, we can put together in the study of the book of Acts that it probably Paul met Timothy during his first missionary journey. But it was during the second missionary journey that Timothy became part of the team. If you remember during the first missionary journey that it was Paul and Barnabas who went forth with Barnabas, his nephew, John Mark, went with them. But John Mark left the work. And at the beginning of the second missionary journey, before they even really went about going, just the thought of, hey, let's go visit the churches again. Barnabas said, that's great, Paul. I'll go get my nephew, John Mark. And Paul said, no way. And they fought and they argued. And eventually, Paul took Silas and went one direction. Barnabas took John Mark and went another direction. Now, later on, Paul will write in one of his epistles, Get John Mark, for he is useful for me. And so there was a healing in the relationship, but not at this time. John Mark went along to be that aide, and he left the work. And Paul at that time was unable to forgive him for leaving the work that God had called him to do. So Timothy came into the picture. He thought it'd be good, he said in verse 1, to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, verse 2, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Timothy, our brother. Timothy, our minister of God, or one of the ministers of God, our fellow laborers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We find that Paul had a great love for this young man, Timothy. When he's writing to the church of Philippi, now he's at this time in prison, but writing back to them, and sending Timothy to them, he said in Philippians 2.20, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, the proven character that Timothy had, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. This is a great love, a great love that Paul had for this young man, Timothy. He says, I have no one like-minded. There's no one who has my heart like Timothy has. He's like my son serving along in the ministry. Not physically his son, but spiritually. He called him our brother, minister of God, our fellow laborer. But throughout the epistles, we find that Timothy was recognized in several of the epistles by Paul. In Romans 16, 21, he's called, there my fellow worker. In 1 Corinthians 4, 17, who is my beloved, he said, and faithful son in the Lord. In Philippians 1, 1, he gives Timothy an equal title at this point. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of the Lord. Colossians 1, 1, he says, Timothy, our brother. In 1 Timothy 1, 2, when Paul is writing back to Timothy now, he calls him a true son of faith. In 2 Timothy 1, 2, he says to him, 
Timothy, a beloved son. And in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is not signed or autographed by anyone. But many believe here in Hebrews 13.23 that it gives us our greatest clue that this was Paul who was writing because of what he said concerning Timothy. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Timothy was also in prison, that he found himself at one point in prison and was set free. And Paul says, I'm going to come to you guys shortly if Timothy comes to me. And he calls him again, my brother, our brother Timothy. Others believe, and I'll just throw this out to you, that others believe that Timothy was never in prison, but that he was free of some obligation, perhaps an obligation like Paul sending Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. I want you to go see how they're doing, encourage them in the Lord, establish them in the Lord, and then come back and tell us. And so Timothy was under an obligation. That word can also mean that, to be set free, that he did what he was obliged to do. But just the first reading of it, when I first read it, it was just like, well, Timothy was in prison too. And usually that's the case in Scripture. The easiest explanation is usually the truth. You don't have to dig too deeply. But again, our brother. That's how he's introduced as our brother there in verse Two, a minister of God and a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Our brother means to be of common origin, of common faith, brothers and sisters in the Lord. For Timothy, he was a brother in the Lord. To be a minister of God, it's the word that we get deacon from, which also can be translated out as servant or attendant. And actually, that was Timothy's job initially in that missionary journey to serve and meet the needs of Paul and Silas as they preached the word of God, just to make sure that everything was good, that they didn't have to worry about anything. So often, some things that I look at on a Sunday morning when I come to church, I look at the grounds as I'm pulling in. It's fall now, and we have a lot of leaves coming down. And I pull in, and, and this will be a battle for several weeks until we, you know, the trees are done and the snow gets on the ground. I saw some trash in the ditch, so I stopped when I got here this morning and picked up the trash that was thrown in the ditch. It's always there, but I also walk up the sidewalk and think, is it clean? At this time of year, the box elders would rather be inside our church than on the outside. So this morning, I swept them away that they wouldn't be tracked into the church. And so that's what my eyes are seeing as I'm walking in. I'm walking into the sanctuary. I know the church was cleaned yesterday, and so everything's in shape. But I went into the bathroom, and the mirror was crooked. And so I straightened the mirror. Everything. I look at the pictures. I look at everything. I want it to be nice and presentable as people come. And I think Timothy knew what Paul desired, and he would make sure those things were done. That as Paul was getting ready to teach, he didn't have to concern himself if there was leaves on the grounds or if there was box elders. I mean, these are our examples, but, you know, it's just things that as a pastor, as you're coming in, you're preparing to bring forth the word of God. That's enough responsibility in itself. He came along as a brother to serve in this way, as a minister of God, an attendant, a servant, just to make sure is everything and all the needs met. I believe that Many hands make easy work. 
And I, I think we once again need to consider here at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, how can I serve? What can I do to make sure that things are going properly? Now, he was a minister of God. Deaconus is the Greek word, and it simply means servant, attendant. And it's in that way. It's You know how you have uh, definitions of words, even in the dictionary, you have one, two, three. And primarily, it means servant. Secondly, an attendant. Thirdly, a deacon. But then he also, he was a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. And so we see this young man, Timothy, who joined Paul and Silas during the missionary journey. Scripture tells us that he was spoken well of by all the churches of a 50-mile radius. When you look on the map there in the region they were at in Derby and Lystra, in a 50-mile radius, everyone had good things to say about Timothy. That's pretty good. Think about a 50-mile radius here all the way down into Chicago. John who? But So we don't have that kind of influence, but how about in our own community? How do we represent our Lord? He was a minister, a servant, but also a fellow laborer. He got into the work, not just serving, making sure that Paul had a glass of water when he was thirsty. I mean, it could be as simple as that. At the pastor's conference, Chick Chickle, what an interesting name. But he's a pastor of a Calvary Chapel up in St. Paul. He's been up there for over 20 years. And he said that he's the only chick that's pastoring a Calvary Chapel. And it's true. But his pastor is Ralph Woods out in California. And it's from Ralph Woods Church that we have the Calvary Kids Club program. And so Ralph is actually from Chicagoland area and pastors a Calvary Chapel out in Oceanside, California. And Chick has been gone for over 20 years, but Chick says, Ralph is my pastor. And the whole message was um, dependent on that because Chick had some pretty major things go on in his life in the last few years that he needed a pastor. Being a pastor, he needed a pastor. And he was telling us at the pastor's conference, make sure you have a pastor, someone who is not your buddy, but someone who can help you in dire situations. But I'm mentioning him because he said he was at the church visiting, now being gone many years, but they're visiting on a Sunday morning, and he saw his pastor needed a cup of water. And he's seeing that his throat is dry, it's uncomfortable, perhaps <clears throat> he's doing this a bit, and, and he's thinking, well, someone get up and get this guy a glass of water. He needs a glass of water. And finally he got up and he went out and got a glass of water and and he saw the needs. He was being that attendant, a pastor, but still being the attendant of his pastor, even though he's been gone for more than 20 years, pastoring his own fellowship. And that's as simple as the ministry is. And that's how it works for us so often. That, first of all, it's a necessary thing to be a brother, to be a sister in the Lord, to have that common faith. I do not want any non-believer put into any kind of leadership service within this fellowship. I don't want a non-believer teaching Sunday school. I don't want a non-believer even picking up the offering. I want brothers and sisters serving together. And that's a, a first step. That's a necessity that we have common faith, that we're of common origin. Hey, we have that common faith in Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And how can we serve? And that's the next step of the process. Now that we're believers, and perhaps you come to faith here at Calvary Chapel, and as the Lord grows you up, you're learning, you're growing in the 
Lord, and you're, you're thinking, how can I serve? What can I do? How can I be the deaconess? How can I be that minister? Now, we know in church life that there are the office of a deacon where they are hands laid upon them. And even in the epistles uh, in the book of Acts, there's deaconess, female deacons that were mentioned too. We use no such title, either as deacons or as deaconess here at Calvary Chapel. In one sense, people get really caught up into titles. And there can be a danger there. And so if title's important to you, you'll probably find that I won't give you that title. You know, I'll just kind of back off and I'll wait and say that, you know, I, I wonder if it's more about the title than about the Lord. And if it's about the Lord, then you'll be honored to serve our Lord and to be that servant and to look at the needs and say, what can I do? But then as you're raising up as servants, Chuck, when asked, who do you look to? For an assistant pastor, where's your greatest resource that you have? Actually, when this question was asked, there were two areas mentioned. I do know of a third because of uh, being in the school of ministry, being out at Costa Mesa that Chuck has said at another time, too. And so three main areas that Chuck looks for. And, and in our world of business, perhaps, in the society that we live in, well, one of these areas we wouldn't even want to consider, but one of the areas that Chuck looks into is the janitors on the church property. How are they serving? What are they doing? Are they faithful servants? And he loves to put janitors in the place of ministry to become fellow laborers in the Lord. Another place he looks is worship leaders, guys who are worshiping the Lord, and, and that's one of the resources he perhaps will grow them up. And the third area is his, for him, it's a Saturday night prayer group. Who's coming out to pray for this fellowship? And he keeps track of those people. And those are the ones that, in time, so often can get raised up into ministry. Now they're not just brothers and sisters. They're not just ministers of God, but fellow laborers, co-laborers in the work. And, and we should all come to that place, I believe. It's in our bulletin, it reads, every member, a minister. Now, I don't want you to go out and introduce yourself. I am a minister of Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. Because what they'll think is that, oh, you're the pastor there. You know, if you want to just strip it back to its original meaning in the Greek, you can introduce yourself if you want to do this as your title. I'm a servant at Calvary Chapel. I don't think we would do that. I'm a slave. Yep, that's me. I don't know if we'd want to use that title, but that's what the word means in its purest sense. But to be a minister, that growing in the Lord, something that we should all be able to do, that we should preach forth, be fellow laborers in the Lord. The Lord said to us in Matthew 28, 19, go, therefore, make disciples. And the word literally means as you go. So as you go forth around your day, you can be a fellow laborer in the Lord in your workplace, in your home, at play, wherever you're at. Perhaps you are a brother and sister in the faith, but you haven't been standing firm as of late. Stuff's been going on in your life, and it's not been good. Hey, it happens. It happens to all of us. It's how you respond that's important. How you go through these things. Is this commendable before God? How you're responding, or... Is the Lord saying, man, I wish you would have stood firm. Man, I would have been there for you. I, I am here, and the Lord is here. I believe he wants to help wherever you're at. 
whether a believer just wanting to step up his faith and walk and work in the Lord. Hey, let me be that attendant. Let me be your servant, Lord. Or, you know, I think I've, I want to be a fellow laborer. I just want to get into the work now that you've called me to, Lord. The Lord's talked to us on many different issues this morning. But the big question still is, are you standing firm? And Father, we ask that you would be with us and that we would know this answer. For we know that Satan is there and he wants to sift us like wheat. In Zechariah, we learn of Joshua, the high priest, who's standing before your throne and Satan at his right hand accusing him. And that blessed picture that's given to us there, Lord, is Joshua, the high priest, is standing there in his filthy garments. And you remove his filthy garments and put on him a robe of righteousness. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, is right there. And you clothe him in righteousness before him. We know that righteousness can only come through you, Jesus. So we pray that you would work this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. (laughs) 